0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hi everyone, and uh, welcome to the third episode of Grecian's Gossip. Uh, I'm joined by the usual gang, David Byram. Hello. Dan Clark. Hello. And Jamie Hawkins. Hello. A few things to discuss. I guess the most obvious place to start is Tuesday night's win over Cheltenham Town, uh, 3-0 for Exeter City. David, you're at the game. How did you say it? Well,
1: a very good performance in the end, you know. Uh, Tiz obviously made some changes, and they they all seem to seem to pay off really. But I, I was really impressed with Jordan Tilson in the middle, uh, and uh, playing Reuben Reed up front with with David Wheeler actually having a foil next to him worked well for for Ruben Reed because he obviously got two goals and he, he seemed a lot more involved than he did on Saturday against Accrington. So a, a really really good performance. Um, Cheltenham were were pretty abject. We probably. Worth pointing that out a bit before getting too smug about how City played, but no, overall, definite definite positives, definite signs of improvements. Mm.
0: You mentioned that different role for Ruben Reed as well. I mean, can you talk about that a bit.
1: Well, um, it's not so. Uh, I, I, he's obviously still playing up front, but he's not. He wasn't leading the line as much. You know, when he's playing with Ollie Watkins, um, Watkins isn't isn't your out and out striker. He'll make different runs, and Reed's job is to hold the ball up and perhaps lay it off to Watkins to have a shot here and there. With playing next to David Wheeler, he's more of a, when he's playing up front, more of an out-and-out striker because he's much better at heading head the ball. It sort of works quite well because Reed can turn and face goal a bit more and get get himself into those goal-scoring goal positions which he, he didn't used to be, which he can't really do as much when, when Watkins is playing. I mean, he was saying after the game, actually, the second goal was a, a perfect example of that that he scored because he played in uh, Jake Taylor on the wing he then played it back to him and he took a, a good touch before scoring with a great finish. And he was saying that if he was playing with Ollie Watkins in that role, it would be him getting to the position where Jake Taylor was and laying it off to probably Ollie Watkins or someone else. So uh, it was a lot more... I guess he's he was a lot more of a goal-scoring threat when, when he's playing on front with David Willio, I find.
0: Dan, we were talking just before we started this podcast about whether Watkins was... Drops, rested, quite what it is. I mean what do you what do you make of that?
2: I think it'd be very, very harsh if he'd been dropped. He wasn't at his best on Saturday, but then no one was at their best really on the Saturday. I think it's I've seen it two or three times this, this season where Next to have had three games in a week. Ollie Watkins has he started on the bench, you know on for one of those games and then come on. I mean it was the Black it was The Wickham game he started on the bench and tore them apart in the second half I think it was the Blackpool game as well they tried to but obviously the injury to, to Simpson early on scuppered that plans and I think it was just a, it was rested rather than dropped I mean it does give a, Portista a little bit of a selection headache coming up this weekend for that Luton game because you, you've almost got to get him Ollie you feel Ollie Watkins has got to be in the side somewhere but with the way that Wheeler and Reed linked as a front two it's sort of you'd want, to, you'd want to give that another go See how that works out, and you almost sort of then Ollie Watkins is going to you feel almost going to be shunted out on the left wing, I suspect, as the, as the most likely place for him to, to get in the side. But it you know, you kind of feel that extra of a better side with Ollie Watkins in it than without him, so he's got to almost find a spot for him somehow.
0: Mm. And Jamie, you're at the game as well. I mean, a few players coming in, it's Jordan Tilson in particular, winning plenty of praise, but I mean. Yeah, how did you see it and you know can you see all the Watkins coming back in?
3: Yeah, I mean first of all, you know, it's great to see Stacy and, and Brown back in the side. I think mean, you could tell straight away how well the whole back four uh, played together. Just you know, they, they get the best out of each other I think, you know, particularly Stacy and Whitman making the runs down the wing as usual. Stacy had another storming game again. Um, you know, Bobby Alešnik obviously kept his place after a difficult game on Saturday. I thought he, although he didn't have much to do, he did really well. He commanded his area well. I think he made quite a really good save in the second half. I think from what I remember briefly. Yeah, he made. Yeah, I think he f- didn't have a lot to do with, but what he no. what he did have to do, if he
2: dealt with well, he, he was commanding in his yeah, box he, and there two or three good saves he, yeah. he pulled off from Cheltenham's.
3: Yeah, well, rare attacks. And yeah, Tilson. You know, fan of Tilson actually. Sits in the, back of the foot, front of the back four, so you know, just ties it up and plays some good balls. He linked up well with with James, um, and yeah, I was a bit surprised about Watkins being dropped, but I think it was more rest than um, actually, you know, dropping him. Um, I'd expect him to return to to and as well as uh, Wheeler, and Reed played up front. You know, Cheltenham, they were very poor. And, you know, Luna a good side, they're in the playoffs, it's going to be a tough game. And You know, I think, yeah, you know, I would um, put Watkins back in, but like I was just saying, where is he going to play? Because Reid and Wheeler have a good, a good partnership, maybe play him in a, a number 10 role, maybe.
0: Mm. I mean, uh, well, David, we'll have a listen in a moment to um, some Paul Tisdale audio, but I mean, in terms of some of the changes you can see Tisdale make, I mean, what. We'll, He's got options now, hasn't he? What does he what does he do? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's a sort of a far cry from a, from a week ago. Or so I remember sat here on Monday talking about looking at to Cheltenham and, and just wondering what he could do. But now it's it's completely different. And you know, I'm a Jordan Tilson fan as well, but he isn't the most consistent of players. But at the same time, you can't drop him after a good game just because he he's not that consistent. Because he you know he could turn in the, could turn in a good performance on on Saturday. So. Um, my personal choice and I, I put this in my opinion piece this week, I said uh, I'd want to go three, uh, four, three one 2 play Watkins just in behind Wheeler and Reed Reed with you know midfield three of Taylor, uh Tilson and either um, either James or Harley. I am not too I'm fairly give or take on that, that choice. But um you know you can have Tilson sat in front of the back uh, back three there well, or back four then protecting them. Which also allows Stacey and Woodman, who've got loads of energy, to bomb down the wings a bit, you know, perhaps not not getting into the box or anything like that, but obviously uh, bombing down the wings and still having cover behind them in case someone clears to the channels or something like that. And I I think that could work quite well because, you know, Taylor and and Harley, if Harley plays, both uh, are played on the wing this season as well. So still, although on the face of it, it doesn't look like that would give them much width. I think that could could be a decent
2: formation.
0: Dan, how can you see Tis playing it?
2: I can't see too many changes, really. I mean, you sort of feel Jordan Tilson, you know, Cheltenham at home isn't the kind of game you sort of need him for, but Luton away, definitely more is. They're gonna, you feel Luton are gonna provide more of a, an attacking threat. It's gonna test him a little bit more, but he came through the test against Cheltenham. You'd want him sitting in the midfield. It sort of worked out. Well, I mean, sort of be a bit of a departure, but actually almost got the. The kind of side foot to play a sort of a three five two kind of system with a back three, I mean somebody else joining more Taylor and Brown there, Woodman, and as wing backs, you could see that working and then it allows you to get Reed and Wheeler up front with Watkins just in behind, two in the centre of midfield, maybe. Maybe you play Tilson and Taylor or, or you know, Taylor, Harley, James, one of any of them in there. It's a kind of the system. You can see that next we've got the players for whether Paul Tisto will go back to the system that he used so successfully when he first started the club. I don't know, but I wouldn't expect much in the way of changes other than Watkins coming in for someone, be it either Harley or James, I would say. The odd op- would be the obvious two. I mean, the back four was the back four we've seen in recent games they're not I can't see him changing that barring an injury. Alleshnick did enough, you know, there were a couple of doubts about his place but not after that performance I don't think and I can't see the, the front two being changed. You know, Ruben Reed came off after if we got his second goal so he you know had a long rest at the end of the game, you might have had concerns three games in a week, but having not played the full ninety minutes, he
0: should be fit enough to start mm-hmm. on Saturday. It's interesting that we're talking about this Reed and Wheeler partnership So, I mean, Jamie, could you see that being sort of a you know partnership for us this season?
3: Yeah, well, based on Tuesday, yes, I mean, you know we were saying on Saturday how you know Reed was up so isolated, he's holding the ball and there was no one around to receive it to. on Tuesday he had Wheeler um, for support. Um, you know if he does keep that sort of team, you know, it's not a bad option to have Watkins coming off the bench if you're, you know, chasing the game, he's a perfect player to be on, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just Cheltenham and Luton are two completely different games in terms of, you know, form and quality, um, so this will be a test um, to see how well it works. Um, you know, I think he will um, keep those two up front, and I I like David's idea of having Watkins just behind it's very attacking um, it depends how they approach the game on Saturday because the danger is as we saw at Hartlepool over committing uh, players and got punished so um, yeah I, I do like the idea of that um, formation definitely
1: it's also worth pointing out that it's not the first time this season that Wheeler and Reid have worked up front together because I think it, it was Stevenage wasn't it where Wheeler went into forward position after half time after quite a the first half from City, and suddenly Ruben Reed found himself in the centre and scored from it. So uh, it's a formation that has worked. And as much as we were sort of talking about bringing Watkins back into the side, this is uh, this is a game that for me is similar to City's game against Portsmouth um, earlier in the year when um, you know they were one one nil. It was a really tight game, and Watkins didn't actually do that much in the game because it was that tight. And there wasn't that much space, so he, you know, there was a lot of talk about him leaving at that point, but uh, I don't think that sort of impacted his performance. It was just a case of he, he didn't have any space to really move, and yet it's a similar game to that. As James said, maybe Watkins off the bench is a good idea.
0: Mm. Well, right. Let's have a listen to what uh, Paul Tisdale has to say about the game uh, against Luton coming up.
4: Well, I'm a professional person, and this is our business, so of course I'm aware of where we are on the table and where the points are. Differences, but we can't dwell on it and have a um, you know, hang on in there mentality. We have to accelerate through these final games, and, and you know, I think that's really important for us that we purposeful mindset.
0: and That's something I've got from, from speaking to a couple of players, Bobby last week, Ruben today, they've said, you know, we're not just aiming for the playoffs, you've got to look. To get in that top three,
4: I mean, time's running out, and there are only so many games. And you know, we um, we we've put we we've put some runs of wins together this season already, so it's possible. But we, um, regardless of that, whether we're looking at automatic or we're looking at playoffs or whatever we're looking to do, we have to try and win the next game, and that's all you can do. This week, you've got Luton Town you know a, a competitor for the playoffs a competitor for promotion and
5: uh, you know we have to we have to try to win the game you've played them twice already this season obviously in the
0: league and the FA cup does that have a bearing going into the game on Saturday those previous games
4: well we we've, we've played most teams once well all teams at least once so we have the advantage of the second game the FA cup game it gives us something but we were in a very different place then to where we are now we, we, we feel a different a different team a lot of the same players but we've, we've had some continuity now and we've had which we didn't have then and we have you know some some good form so I think we're, I think we're viewing the game differently albeit they're a good team playing at a, you know, an interesting stadium with noise and atmosphere and a team that wants to win
0: so it's, it's going to be a tough Tough game for us. I was going to ask you about the ground and, and the pitch and everything, because it's not quite as luscious as St James Park is looking at the minute. It's a little bit bobbly. Does that affect things going into it? Well, um, we always look at
4: the environment, the surface, the team, the referee, everything. You look at everything. Whether you can work all those things out and predict a result is uh, nine and impossible. But the, um, every team at this level will have a pitch at this time of the year that's warm and has had lots of games on it, and... You know, it's the luck of the draw, really. Whether you played in bad weather or you've had, you've had lucky, lucky um, weekends or avoid weather when you played home games, but whatever, whatever it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a good football pitch. I don't, I don't remember being up there too often and having a tough pitch to play on. So it may be bare in places, but um, it, it, it doesn't hold much um, bearing on how we approach this game.
0: Right. Now that we've uh, heard Paul Tisdale's thoughts, um, what about the Luton games that more generally, I mean, obviously Luton as we said, very strong team pushing for the playoffs. I mean, David, just how sort of key do you see this game being for Exeter?
1: I think it's key to their automatic promotion hopes. If they, I mean, I think it, it, it's a big ask to get automatic promotion now anyway, because Portsmouth are in such good form. But you know, if they win on Saturday, they've still got an outside chance. If they, they lose or drop points, then that's automatic's out the window, I think. But um, I, I so it's it's key in that sense. Whether it's key to the playoffs as a whole, probably not. I mean, they can obviously go out of the playoffs on Saturday, but if they do, it'll be on goal difference. So it's still that tight that, whilst well, they wouldn't want to lose. They can probably afford another couple of slip-ups. But if, if and the thing is, though, then if they if they do lose to Luton, they are pretty much aiming for seventh place, sixth place possibly. But if they beat Luton, then it's a case of just making everything a bit more tighter in the top top five or six in a way, you know, rather than Blackpool, who are eighth at the moment, looking at City and thinking, we can catch them. They might look at Luton, who've who've now lost, and think, hang on, we can catch them as well. So it's sort of dragging more teams into that sort of battle, into the sort of big chasing pack, and suddenly everything becomes a bit tighter, and it's a bit more of a dogfight, whereas the last thing you want to be, the last thing you want to happen at the moment is for you to be in seventh, and then feel Cutter drip from the top six, with teams Mm. chasing you behind as well. Mm.
0: And Dan, how damaging do you think a, a defeat would be for City should that happen?
2: It would, in terms of overall per, ambitions for the playoff, it probably wouldn't be that damaging. I mean, even if things go wrong on Saturday, lose the game, it's only going to be goal difference at worst outside the playoffs. So they're still very, very much in it. But I think it's more a what a victory over Luton says about Exeter City to the rest of the clubs that in that position that they've gone away to the side who, if you look at those. The four teams in the playoff at the minute, you would say Luton are probably the best of those four sides and are the most likely, if any of them is, to, to steal that third automatic spot. To go there and win sort of show is, is a real statement of look, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to we're going to be one of those sides at worst, you know, might even get automatic promotion. And that sort of uh, the confidence that will give to the to the Exeter City players as well, you know, to go away to Luton to win the game that's the kind of momentum boost that they sort of can bring for the rest of the season They, you know sort of some of the other ones the win at Portsmouth was followed with another couple of wins after that you know, big wins after that um, some of the earlier tight wins it was, the, it was a tight win away at Leighton Orient who although their position in the league is very lowly you'd still look at them as one of the bigger clubs in that division that was a, a big win and that kicked off the, the winning, winning streak so to speak so just to, to go away to Luton you know and beat them. That's the kind of thing that you could almost see. accident is a springboard and win three or four in a
0: row after that and cement the playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamie, you um, again. You're at the game on Tuesday night against mm-hmm. Chelsea. We, we talked before then about nerves potentially getting the better of City a bit, you know, given their position or not. Following the game on Tuesday, what kind of mindset do you think they'll approach? Luton? I mean, are their nerves completely settled yeah. now? Do you think? Or
3: um, possibly. I mean, it was a big win. Definitely, I think. You know, from the get-go, the first 10-15 minutes really attacking well compared to Accrington. Um, so they obviously, you know, maybe Tisdard no had a word with them, reminding them of the importance of that game. Um, you know, it, it's all about the pressure, I think. Will they be feeling the pressure ahead of the game? It's a big, big game. Um, you know, I guess we'll be going into it as underdogs, I suppose, given, you know, it's a way um, Looting us slightly above us and, and doing well um I think you've just got to go into that game with you know trying to forget about the implications for the playoffs and you know just remember look we're amazing away from home just keep that mentality and it's worked on many occasions this season um you know when we played them at home in the cup in the league for you know we lost the cup game three one but Didn't actually play that badly, I I thought. You know, the nil-nil draw as well was a a game we could have won. Um, You know, they got Danny Hilton up front who looked a threat um, against us. It'll be interesting how well we deal with him. Um, But yeah, I think you know you've got to go into that game with a positive frame of mind, and um, yeah, I think you've got to try and win that because, like Dan said, if we win that, that'll Put out a statement to say, look, we deserve to be in the playoffs. We're not, you know, lucky to be here. We we deserve to be there. And, you know, going into the playoffs, that could be a, a huge win. Mm. That's the, bit of the victory, if, if Exeter were to go ahead, they'd they're
2: definitely go ahead and loot, and that you know put, means that they're not the side teams are shooting at anymore. It'd be somebody else. Mm. I mean, Carlisle have you know, they're stumbling at the moment. Their forms. Sort of totally dropped off a cliff a little bit. I don't think they've scored in five games actually. So yeah. They look very, very vulnerable, and it was—I think it was Stevenage, yeah. Tuesday night. They lost for the first time in well after nine wins and a draw in their last ten games. They're gonna gonna be a test for them how they bounce back from that disappointment. Mm. They, you know, it might take them another couple of games to come back from that. And so, you know, it's not entirely unusual to see that Exeter with a of win could be sitting fourth on. Saturday night, and then that's a position that it might still only be three or four points ahead of everyone else. But those three extra teams below you gives you that extra cushion and extra comfort that you might you haven't got at the moment. Mm.
3: I think it's you know it just shows how tight it is because Blackpool, from what I remember, were really struggling, and they've just, all of a sudden they've just picked up a few wins, and they're only just outside the playoffs. I think it just shows, you know. Put a few wins together, and you know suddenly you're up there. Put a couple of defeats together, and you're struggling. Then, so yeah, it's amazing how you know the form, how important that plays this part of the season. Mm-hmm. Blackpool do look at the
2: moment the only sort of team from below the playoffs in that in the kind of form that they're putting wins together, putting results together, knocking on the door. The rest, the side sort of Mansfield a couple of weeks ago looked to be the side, but they mm-hmm. they. They've dropped off Cambridge, have had very hit and miss periods where they'd win four in a row and then lose a few in a row. And Colchester sort of got up there and then they dropped back as well. So it's sort of you you're looking over your shoulder and thinking who's the main threat? And you'd say Blackpool, but then who else? And it's hard to put a case together for any of those other sides chasing at the moment that they are gonna hunt you down. And that I suppose is the one thing extra in their advantage that it you know doesn't look like it, you know, sort of four from six that you'd say at this stage possibly for the playoffs and Carlisle looked the weakest of those six, so it's only got to end up one point ahead of one of those other four sides and you've got that chance of promotion. I think the key is as well, there are so many teams
1: outside the playoffs, you know, maybe six or seven points outside the playoffs, who you you know, they've probably looked at City, looked at looked at Blackpool now as well and thought hang on if we can string a couple of results together here, we'll be right in and amongst it and I think <clears throat> there are so many teams that are in that position that you know they're all taking points off each other and it's benefiting City in a way like you know with, with the two losses in a row with Accrington and Hartlepool it's benefiting City there because the teams below them can't gain ground on them because they're dropping points themselves on, on other teams around them
3: mm.
0: yeah, yeah the other thing I was going to mention Dave, is you've got first-hand experience of going to Kenilworth Road um, <laughs> bad enough ground go um, as a reporter as a player I mean it's not going to be an easy place is it it's quite a hostile atmosphere they can create there and that will be a, another challenge for City to overcome as well
1: yeah very hostile you know the, the fans will get on the players backs so they'll get on the the referees backs so they'll probably get on their own backs to be honest it's, it's not a nice place to go to at all but yeah um, you know, it's not nice for fans, for, for reporters, for anyone. But at the same time, it, it's the sort of place, you know, I remember going there as an absolute fan. And we were bottom of the league and and sort of just no hopers. And we won 3-2. And it's the sort of place you go to, a, a little like Fratton Park earlier in season. If you get an early goal or something like that, or just keep tight and nick a goal on the break, their fans will be all over their own team. And it's just, you know, at that point you're thinking, hang on, we're, we've got a good chance here because because they're the, the sort of fighting amongst themselves and it might be a little different now because Luton are in the playoffs but you know you, you just got to use the the fan their sort of the Luton fans' passion and aggression to your advantage by trying to get them to turn on their own team I think
0: mm-hmm. okay right well um give Jack Stacey here listen to you now and see what his thoughts are on the uh, on the game ahead.
5: Massive game, you know, looking at the table, so close, and yeah, it's one we're looking forward to. But I mean, speaking to Paul Steezer earlier in the week, he was saying how how good a record you've got against
1: teams around you at the moment.
5: Exactly, I mean, recently we've actually dropped points against teams lower down in the league, but if you look at the ones around us, we've done very well, so obviously it's something we're, we're confident about.
1: And, uh, you know, a, a big ground, big attendance, you must be looking forward to that as well.
5: Yes, I mean. This is this is the kind of games you want to play and the ones that the matter the most, the ones with the most people watching. So yeah. And uh, you know you, your form in particular recently has been really good. I mean
1: you have to be enjoying playing right back at the moment.
5: Yeah, you know, thank you for that. But yeah, really enjoying it. Um, you know, it's a position I've played at times before, but now you know with the coaches really helping me settle in, I think I'm getting used to the position. and Hopefully helping the team there. And do you sort of feel you're improving game by game as well? Yeah, I think I'd say so. If you if you look at maybe my recent performances, yeah, Um, you know the biggest thing is for me to improve defensively still, um, as that's got to be the the number one priority when playing right back, and then hopefully getting forward and assists etc. will come from that. And does it help playing next to someone like Troy Brown, who you know is an experienced player and can help you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Troy, even Jordan's Jordan's still young, but he's he's experienced and Woody as well. So within that back four, there's a lot of experience and a lot of help that they've given me and uh, I mean when he first came to it so I'm sure you probably didn't expect to be, end up playing at right back did you? You know, um to be honest no I didn't I mean I made my debut right midfield and I thought yeah that would be where I was playing obviously Dave Wheeler coming in did really well and you know I had a chance at right back and I think I've taken it I'm happy to play there for the team and I suppose as a young player that sort of versatility help, helps you sort of get get games as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I've played a lot of games this season. It's something I'm very grateful to Tiz for, but also something I think I've had to work for and, and prove myself that I can play right back and hopefully I'm doing that. And, uh, I mean, for the rest of the season, I, I suppose your aims must be to,
1: to sort of properly nail that,
5: that position down and, and sort of get promoted, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, one game at a time, I guess, you know, we're looking forward to Luton now. After that, we've got eight more. You know, they're all just as important as the other. So, yeah, we look forward to that. And uh, nine games left. I mean, ha- have you been in a position like this before, and uh, you know, sort of fighting for for promotion? I mean, I joined. I think I joined Carlisle with nine games to go last season, and we had sort of an outside chance. But you know, we've got a real chance here. So it's not something I've experienced before. Um, I know a few a few of the lads have, so and will be vital for us. And um, you're quite a close knit bunch here, aren't you, as well? So that sort of help see you through yeah, as well. You know, there's a really good team spirit, not just within you know the starting eleven, the squads, you know, the bench, every, and everyone knows that players can come in and do a job, yeah. and you know, yeah, we look really forward to. It. And is that sort of
1: vers- versatility across the squad vital as well? You know, you had a you know you've been used to playing uh, next to uh,
5: David Wheeler, sort of in front of you, but uh, on Tuesday you're playing with. Uh, uh, Jake Taylor weren't he yeah I mean I even ended up playing with with Matt Oakley at the end of the game so I think because everyone knows their job Tiz has got us so well drilled in training that you know other players can come in and do just as good a job as the ones that they're replacing which is massive especially you know if if hopefully not but we get any injuries or you know any more Saturday Tuesday games when the squad might need to be rotated you know that's vital and does that sort of keep uh, competition high as well you know keep you on your toes of course yeah I mean you know if you know that you're playing for your place as well as for the team and for yourself, then you know it's just that added motivation that you know you've got to, got to perform.
0: Okay, well, here's, um, here's an interesting one, Jamie. For you in particular, actually, um, Exeter City fan base they say, Have we ever had a better right back than Stacey? Oh, what do you think of that? Well, it's <laughs> put me on the spot, <laughs> um,
3: probably from what I can remember in recent years, I think. That's always been a, a struggle recently for a recognised right-back, you know. Um, well, actually I remember a few years ago, Steve Tully at right-back, he was, he was a good player. Um, he really tried. He wasn't the best player, but he always gave, you know, 100% every game. Um, but Stacey's, you know, perhaps not known for his defending, he's more for his attacking. Like we were saying the other day, should we play him on the right wing but um, what he does do he you know sort of chooses it he'll just pick the ball up from his own corner and he'll make something happen he'll either take on two or three players Um, he can deliver a brilliant ball um, into the area Um, so yeah I think he's the real deal for us it's a shame he's only on loan
0: Dan you've seen a
3: few right backs well I mean there's Even just going
2: back to last season, Jack Stacey is the right back. Last season, Christian Ribeiro was the man who played in that position, and it's although he wanted to play as a centre back, Ribeiro was a much better right back. I mean, he he does perhaps not quite as good as Stacey is going forward. He doesn't quite have that ability to to beat players, but he was a good threat going forward, and he is a bit more solid defensively than Jack Stacey is. I suppose it's the, the injuries question with Christian Ribeiro. That's why he ended up at Exeter in the first place. You know, he moved on to Oxford, hasn't played for them due to season-long injuries. But you know, is you know, he, would you, if you had to chuck, pick of the two at this stage, Ribeiro, if you took the injuries out, probably the better player. Stacey, probably long-term, is going to be a better player though. And it's just whether Paul can work his magic. And keep him from Reading from next season I mean you've got a question if particularly they do come up through the playoffs in the championship is he going to be is he a Premier League player at this stage probably not so he might be coming on back out on loan again particularly if Exeter can get into League 1 there's a chance they might be able to keep him next season
0: mm. well just finally we've got another question here from uh Mr. Chocolade, who um, he says uh, a few people I've spoken to have questioned Tisdale's desire to go up. Do you feel he wants to take extra higher again, David? Do you see anything in that? I I can never really understand that point of view.
1: What what would he be doing at Exeter City? <laughs> if he, or what would he be doing in football if he doesn't want to take a team up? It's a re- it's a really weird thing. I think you know partly because he he does talk a lot about finances. He does talk a lot about business, and maybe fans look at it and think, well, obviously Exeter City are going to be more competitive than me too. But that's that's not the point of being in football, is it? I think I think it's a, it's just a strange strange point of view. I think obviously, Portillo wants to take a team up. If, I mean, I, I remember there's there's always I, he, I don't think he's ever said this, but my point of view has always been if you spend so long trailing, more you're just going to drown. And you know, the only way you can you can really take a club forward is by taking them upwards. It's, it's it's uh. No, it's a strange point of view,
2: and it's definitely not something
1: I
4: subscribe <laughs> to. Yeah.
2: Dan, thoughts? I mean, it does seem to be that there's the there's a, there is a feeling that perhaps Exeter, were happy where they are, they you know, in the top half of League Two, they're gonna, you know, not going to be threatened with relegation. Going up might be a step too far, but it just doesn't feel like that's the kind of thing. You know, that that was where they were happy with. They perhaps wouldn't have. Made some of the signings they've made this season. You wouldn't, you don't sign Ruben Reid not to try and get promoted. You don't extend sort of Stacey and Kroll's loans at that, you know, at that point. If it was all about just staying where you are, you don't spend money keeping players when you know you're safe in mid-table. And I mean, if you're looking at you know sort of some of the players at the club, if you want to keep the likes of Watkins and Wheeler and Stacey and Co, you're gonna, you're gonna a better chance keeping them if you're in the third tier of English football than in the fourth tier of English football and I mean you're going to get bigger you know, you're likely to get bigger attendances next season. there's going to be bigger clubs in that division to play against and you know if the players then do move on, you're going to get bigger fees for them because you're a step higher on the pyramid. So it sort of feels that as long if it, you know there's all the investment in the youth system, in the training ground, it's all geared up towards a club that's trying to progress and the sort of not necessarily that's the way some clubs do is start on the pitch and work backwards. Sort of we'll get the infrastructure behind, you know, the training ground, get that sorted, get make sure the ground sorted, and then we'll use that as a springboard to then get the club up. It does look as if there is a scale of progression. It might be not immediate, not this time this season, need to do it now, but you kinda of feel there is an aim. That they want to go up, and surely you know, Paul Tisdale will want to take City back into League One. He's, you know, he's taken them there before, he finished eighth in that division. He might be looking at some of those clubs in League One and thinking, well, we're better than them, we're better than them, we're not going to need to do too much in the summer, and we can finish comfortably mid table. And then sort of any lingering questions over whether he is the right man for the club surely
0: would. Would be dropped if you're finishing mid-table in League One. Mm. Jamie, funny as a City fan, I mean, you uh, think Tissel um, is the man to take them up? And you think he, you know, he does want to take them to that level?
3: Well, you know, what about this plan to have City in the Championship in five years or something? I know that was a while ago now, and it has obviously. But you know, you don't invest in a, a new training pitch and a new a new stand which is coming. You know, you don't spend that sort of money without looking to take the club further Um, you know he doesn't really talk about promotion I think that's just you know trying to play it all down, trying to play the pressure down I don't really understand why, I think you know he's been at the club for a while now and been in league 2 for a few years now haven't really done anything in terms of we haven't really challenged so, I think fans are getting a bit bored, I guess, and fed up of being in 12th place every season. Um, but, you know, I think over the years, you look at what he's done in terms of the budget and the young players he's brought through. Um, you know, you've got to think where, what sort of club are you know, Are we a League Two club? Are we a mid table league club? Um, are we a League One team? Probably not, considering some of the teams that are in that, that league in terms of budget and stadiums, etc. But, you know, I think he is the right man for the job at the moment. I think, you know, it's funny how some fans want him gone, but they don't really know who they would bring in. Like they say, they'll, you know, get Rob Edwards and Steve Tully ex-players in, but would they really do a better job at the moment with the players they've got? I don't know, I think, you know at the moment I can't really see anyone else doing a better
0: job than him to be honest hmm. so a resounding yes there uh, Tisdale does definitely want to get them up I think <laughs> on there. right we'll end it there but uh, thanks very much for joining us and uh, we hope you'll uh, be with us again for the next Grecians Gossip